0: Welcome to Dayspring Fellowship. You've picked a good day to join us. God wants to do something new in you today. And since we grow best in community, we get the privilege of being a part of what that new thing is. Whatever it is, God is always good. So even though none of us might know what that new thing is, we can trust that his perfect work will make you more like Jesus. And since that's what we're all about, let's count today in the win column of your spiritual journey and mine speaking of which I'm Chris Voigt and I lead the team here at Dayspring people grow here because that team loves to encourage and challenge people just like you to trust Jesus with more of your life more today than yesterday more tomorrow than today if you're visiting Dayspring today we want you to know that we are a come-as-you-are kind of church We're a church of good old regular people. People trying to clean up their messy lives one step in the right direction at a time. Which means that no matter where you are on your spiritual journey, this is a good place to be in process, figuring it out. We haven't arrived yet, so we can be good company on the journey. Even if you aren't sure the Christian life is a journey you want to be on, this is a good place to ask questions as you look for answers. So welcome. You can learn more about us as a church by exploring our website at dsf.church, by checking out our Facebook page, or contacting us by phone or email. If you need help figuring out the next step to making Dayspring your home church, or if you just have questions, let us know. We'll help you find the answers. For today's service, you can find a discussion guide by selecting Watch from the top menu of our website. And now, let's join our service. Well, welcome to week two uh, of our new series, Wired, Brain Science and Spiritual Growth. Uh, God didn't cut any corners when he designed the human brain. I'd say it's probably the pinnacle of all of his creation. And though science is still exploring the mysteries of our brain, what they have discovered with the help of modern technology is quite incredible. And it gives us new insights into exactly how people grow. And for our purposes, how character formation happens, which is what we are all about. It turns out the capital C Church has primarily focused on character formation using the left side of the brain. That's our analytical side. And it's where conscious thought resides. Uh, Most of the spiritual disciplines like praying and fasting and reading and studying the Bible are all left brain, left side activities. They connect with our conscious minds and they're all incredibly important to our spiritual development. There's just one teensy little problem. Character formation is driven by the right side of the brain. All of our emotions and relationships are controlled by the right side of our brain, the intuitive side of our brain. It's also the home of our gut feeling. And after last week, now we know why. Uh, In a nutshell, everything that enters your brain, everything, don't miss that, everything enters your brain on the back right side and works its way to the front right side, then somewhere behind your right eye, it crosses over to your front left side and works its way to the back left side. Everything takes this path. So with conscious thought happening on your left side, that means everything on the right side is pre-conscious thought. Oh, and that pre-conscious thought is more powerful and faster at six times per second than the left side, which turtles along at five times per second. Now, which also means that the right side of your brain is always present in the presence. And the left side of your brain is always lagging behind in the past. And that helps explain something ultra important. You cannot experience the presence of God from your left brain. It is either stuck in the past or worried about the future. And while God is certainly in both of those places, you aren't. You are only in the present. Your left brain can make sense of what you experience with your present self in the presence of God. After the fact, but misses out on the actual experience. If you missed last week's message, you might want to go back and watch it later. It was jam-packed with some really interesting facts about how our brains operate. If you are a Christ follower, you are on a journey to align your character with the character of Jesus. That's what you agreed to when you said yes to Jesus. You agreed to become like Jesus, to make becoming like Jesus the focus of your life. Our goal is to glorify God by becoming men and women who believe like, think like, and act like Jesus. In order for that to actually occur, in order to become like Jesus, our character growth must be right brain driven. Character formation requires both sides of the brain but must be right side driven because the right side of the brain is all about our relational connections. That makes the process of character formation a relational process. But not just a me and God or a you and God kind of a process, but a me, God and my people process. You, God and your people. As we began to unpack last week, this journey that we're on was never designed to be a solo journey. God designed us to grow in community, so much so that it is impossible to completely align your character to Jesus outside of community on your own. You need people. Because it is love that is the core of spiritual formation, learning to love others like Jesus loves us. That's what aligns our character with Jesus. And love isn't love until you give it away, which means that you have to have people to give it away too. And you'll know you're making progress when you no longer have to think about what Jesus would do in any given moment. Because by the time you can think about what Jesus would do, by the time it gets to the conscious side of your brain, it's often too late. You've lost the moment. It's already passed by. So you'll know you're making progress when you just do what Jesus would do intuitively, instinctively, with your pre-conscious thought. Using one of the great stories of Jesus to set the stage, we. We grow to Christian maturity. Our roots grow deepest and we bear the most fruit in good soil. The good soil of good community. Soil that can be cultivated with the right nutrients. So even if you don't have good soil right now, with the four nutrients that we'll unpack through the rest of this series, you can cultivate the right conditions to maximize your character formation, your alignment with the character of Jesus. I think that brings everyone up to speed. Now, here's here's what I'd like to do. Will you close your eyes? Just close your eyes. Wherever you are experiencing this message, unless you are driving, close your eyes. And with your eyes closed, uh, take a couple of deep breaths. Breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth. Just two or three deep breaths. In and out. And let your your body relax into the moment. Take a breath in. And out. Just keep those eyes closed. And now I want you to use your imagination. Picture you in some normal part of your life. It can be at work or home in a moment that you feel good about or not. Just picture you somewhere in your life. Have you got it yet? And now you hear the noise of someone else and you turn to see who it is. And as you do, you catch his eyes. It's Jesus. And as he looks at you, what is the expression on his face? Take it in for a moment. Is he smiling or frowning? Is there laughter in his eyes or disappointment? Or is his face neutral? How does he feel about seeing you? And then using the Polaroid of your mind. For you young'uns, a Polaroid is an old kind of a camera that would eject the photo as soon as you took it. But you'd have to wait about five minutes for it to develop. So using the Polaroid of your mind. Take a picture of this moment. And write the word before on the bottom. And now before you fall asleep, go ahead and open your eyes. (laughs) I've asked this question to quite a few people. And most of them have given me roughly the same answer when I asked them to tell me what expression Jesus had. At best, it's been an eyebrow raise really kind of a look. Maybe a resigned acceptance. At worst, disappointment. Sometimes our shame gets in the way of that picture of Jesus. It's impacted by that feeling that I am not enough. You are not enough. And what you see on his face only confirms that truth. No one has ever told me it was something positive. Say, a look of joy. The Apostle Paul, in his letter to the church in Corinth, wrote these words. For God, who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so that we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus. What does the glory of God look like on a face? I'm not sure if you've ever thought about what you see in the face of Jesus when he looks at you or not, but what you actually see Whether it actually aligns with scripture or not, reveals a lot about your relationship with Jesus. It impacts everything about your spiritual formation. Think about it this way. Who are the people in your life that you look forward to seeing, to look forward to spending time with? Of course, if you can't think of anyone that you look forward to spending time with, you've got some work to do. But for the rest of us, who is it? Uh, Your spouse, your best friend, your kids, your grandkids, your parents. What do all of those people have in common? They also want to be with you. Brain scientist Dr. Alan Shore defines joy as being what I feel when I see the sparkle in someone's eye that conveys I'm happy to be with you. Now, let me repeat that because I think this is about the best definition of joy I've ever heard. Joy is what I feel when I see the sparkle in someone's eye that conveys I'm happy to be with you. Almost without fail, the first time I see my granddaughter Avery on any given day, her eyes light up. Her arms open out and she yells, Pops, as she runs to me. Joy is what I feel when I see that sparkle in her eyes, that sparkle that says, I'm happy to be with you, Pops. So who do you look forward to seeing? We look forward to seeing people who look forward to seeing us. We avoid consciously or subconsciously the people we think don't look forward to seeing us or us seeing them. Which means that if, the, if that Jesus that we're picturing in our mind doesn't have a look of joy on his face, if he's not happy to see you, what does that say about your relationship? What does that say about your identity? Jim Wilder, one of the authors of The Other Half of Church, the book that we've based this series on, says that God designed our brains to run on joy Just like a car runs on fuel. Our brains desire joy more than any other thing. Brain science proves this to be true. Which means our right brains spend the day scanning our surroundings for people who are happy to be with us. It's joy radar. So let's align science with scripture. What does the Bible have to say about joy? And in particular, what does the Bible have to say about the face of God as it pertains to joy? Let's start with the Old Testament book of Numbers. Uh, this is a Hebrew blessing that God taught to Israel. Uh, it became one of their regular uh, daily prayers of blessing. From Numbers chapter 26 verse, verse, starting in verse 24. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. May the Lord smile on you. May the Lord show you his favor. That sounds dangerously close to joy. I'd say it falls under our working definition of joy. You could paraphrase this blessing to say, may you feel the joy of God's face shining on you because he is happy to be with you. Now, How does that align with your before picture? Let's head to Psalm to the Psalms, Psalm 89, 15. As a worshiper, this is a favorite verse of mine. Uh, this is a Psalm of Ethan the Ezraite. He writes... Happy are those who hear the joyful call to worship, for they will walk in the light of your presence, Lord. We've talked a little bit in the past about the translation process. Sometimes the process of translating from Hebrew or Greek to English loses a little bit of the original meaning. In this case, that phrase, light of your presence, in Hebrew would literally be in the light of your presence of your face. Listen, when God's face lights up in our presence, I think to say, it's safe to say it's joy. There's another, here's another psalm, this one by King David, Psalm 1611. You will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. If you've been around church long, you might know this verse better in the New American Standard uh, Version. In your presence is fullness of joy. Either way, English doesn't quite nail the original Hebrew meaning. In Hebrew, this would be in your presence is abundance of joy with your face. Now, Psalm 21 6 gives us another one. Uh, in this list of blessings for the king, David says, you have endowed him, that's the king, you have endowed him with eternal blessings and given him the joy of your presence. Again, this gets lost in translation. In Hebrew, it says, you make him happy with joy with your face. Over and over, we see the face of God brings us joy Because we bring him joy. Joy begets joy. But God's face gets lost in translation, probably because they're also trying to make something more readable. But God has inextricably linked joy to facial recognition. When someone's face lights up when they see you, a joy chain reaction begins in your brain that you can feel in your entire body. And science now tells us that this joy sensation is crucial for emotional and relational development. When we see joy on the face of another person, it actually fills up our emotional tank. The face is the key. In translating God's face out of scripture, translators have negatively impacted our experience with God. Instead of a right brain relational sensation of joy in seeing God's face shining on us, we are left with a left brain statement of fact. And both are important, but they are not the same. Our bodies physically respond differently to each one. Let's look at Psalm 1611 again. The left brain, NASB says, in your presence is fullness of joy. This is great information, of course. It is truth with a capital T after all, but it misses our joy center. Let's replace it with our working definition of joy. Now it becomes, when your face lights up because you are so happy to be with me, you fill me up with joy. Does that feel different to you? Let's look at John chapter 15. Here Jesus is talking about how he loves the disciples with the same love that God has for him. He goes on to say, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. Uh, Once again, left brain truth, good truth, but still misses triggering our joy center. Now try this. My father's face lights up when he sees me because I'm so special to him. I'm telling you this so that you will feel how special you are to my father and me. Our faces are shining on you with delight. Now, hopefully, your joy center is tingling at that thought. In fact, that is actually an important aspect as well. What you feel when you experience joy. Another function of the right brain is to coordinate our brain's sensate, our spatial sensations, giving us an integrated sense of our body. It integrates our emotions and the awareness of our bodies. Low joy, times of distress, and left brain dominated living make this sense of integration decrease or break down. It can give us a sense of feeling outside of our bodies or in our minds, it also tends to decrease the sense of feeling God's presence in our body. God designed our bodies to feel and enjoy him. So as we learn to embrace and recognize joy, we will grow to experience God in our bodies. Uh, For those of us stalwart, left brain Baptists, this might seem like a little hoo-hoo to us. Joy is a full body experience. Different people experience it different ways, maybe as butterflies on your skin, electricity going up our neck, a tightness in our gut, a sense of warmth or lightness. Feeling joy in our bodies is a sign that our right brain is functioning smoothly. Our whole bodies should respond in the presence of God Now let me take uh, a play from our last series and call a timeout. I'd like to speak to you skeptical left brain Christians. As we talked about last week, uh, when you try to form character from the left side of your brain, you will always experience inconsistent results. You'll hit a wall, spiritually speaking. Think think about your life. How many times have you felt like your spiritual growth was stalled? Like you needed to do more. Find another spiritual discipline to add that performance piece that will make you more mature. So you go searching for the deep enough information about God that will satisfy what's missing in your life. I know many Many, many left-brain Christians, and I have been one myself at times, who after years of following Christ, when they should no longer need external accountability to develop consistency in their spiritual journey, still do need external accountability. Let me just say to you, what you are missing is right-brain love. Jesus said, if you love me, then you will obey my commands. He didn't say, obey my, my commands and then you will love me. Love comes first. And love is a right brain relational emotion that you feel in your body. So before we leave this time out and return to our regularly scheduled message, this might sound like hoo-hoo. But as a recovering left-brainer, you are welcome to keep trying to do something, or you can learn to be by feeling something. Try it. You might find you like it. And by the way, for you right-brainers, don't poo-poo the hoo hooers Don't poo-poo the left-brainers. You need left-brain truth to anchor your right brain so you don't just feel your way into heresy. Okay, time out over. <laughs> Let me just quickly summarize before we move on. Three simple things. First, joy is primarily transmitted through the face, especially the eyes, and secondarily through the voice. And it is re- relational. It is what we feel when we are with someone who is happy to be with us. Joy does not exist outside of relationship. And third, Joy is important to God and to us. And here's why. Joy is the foundation for a secure bond with God. When I really understand that God is happy to be with me, is smiling at me, it removes fear from the relationship. Years ago, long before I had the words to describe what we're talking about, Uh, I remember that whenever I would sin, I just knew how disappointed God was with me. And I would naturally distance myself from relationship with him, figuring that I'd let him down and he wouldn't want to be around me for a while. It was kind of like some kind of penance for my transgression. But then after I'd been good long enough, I'd feel worthy enough to engage, like I'd made it up to God and he'd finally want to be around me again. Eventually, I I came to realize that that understanding of God and my sin didn't align with Scripture. That distance was all on me. He always sees me through the eyes of Jesus. He is always close, even at my lowest moments. And Scripture says that my righteousness is like filthy rags anyway. So if my best isn't all that great, how much worse can my worst really be? I decided that no matter what, I wouldn't let even my sin change the way I experience the presence of God. Where in Scripture does it say that God's face looks upon us with disgust or disappointment or frustration? For the Christ follower, it is only joy. However that works, God makes it work. I don't get it, but joy it is which gives us security in our relationship with God. No fear. John the disciple wrote that perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love is encased in joy. Have you ever had a boss who always left you wondering whether or not they liked you? Or valued what you bring to the table or would prefer to replace you? You just don't know. So you're insecure in the relationship always looking for cues to tell you that everything's good. What's missing? J-O-Y. Our identity is built and formed through joy-bonded relationships. The more joy, the more security. The identity center of our brain grows in response to joy. Joy gives us a feeling of belonging. It stabilizes us when life goes wrong. It gives us the freedom to be ourselves and share our heart with God and with others. I hope that you're getting the sense that joy is much more than just a simple emotion. Really, it's more of a super emotion. The brain is hardwired with six emotion centers. Sadness, anger, fear, shame, disgust, and despair. Joy can coexist with all of them, which is how we can be joyful in any and every situation. In fact, joy helps us regulate those painful emotions. When life isn't going the way you want, maybe because the month has lasted longer than your money Or your kids are making choices that are driving you crazy. Or your marriage has hit a a rocky season. Your job is up in the air. Our culture is swirling the drain. Even in the midst of those negative emotions, the, the negative emotions of these situations, we can have joy and feel the presence and purpose of God. And because joy is relational, if you have friends on the journey, your joy can be even magnified in the situation. You can be sad and joyful, fearful and joyful, angry and joyful. Joy doesn't replace those negative emotions. It coexists with them and helps you remain relationally connected in times when you really need that connection, which helps you remain the person God created you to be in and through your suffering. Now, let me put this as clearly as I can. Joy is the first nutrient in good soil and is the gateway to spiritual formation. Without joy, you will have a hard time aligning your character to the character of Christ. The human brain was designed to run on joy. When joy drops and we sense few faces shining on us and few people happy to be with us, we may start believing that God is no longer happy with us. We may feel isolated and alone when our eyes do not meet and our faces do not shine and our community doesn't express what God sees as special in each of us. Our soil becomes depleted. Don't miss this. Your joy does something in your character formation. Both the giving And receiving of joy with other people. Not just God. And it does something in your people's character formation. There's something about horizontal joy between our peeps. That overflows into our vertical joy. And vice versa. And since joy helps regulate painful emotions. When we become depleted. We begin looking for non-relational sources to stop the pain. Soil that is low on joy is ripe for addictions of every kind. And when our brains, which are always looking for joy, don't find it, we become vulnerable to joy substitutes like food, shopping, social media, not to mention alcohol, drugs, sugar, and porn. All of those substitutes are non-relational which will ultimately disappoint. But when true joy increases, those substitutes begin to lose their power. True joy is only found in relationships. And here's fantastic news. You can increase your capacity for joy in your life. And it isn't all that hard. Now let's start with the relationship between you and God. Your vertical joy. Uh, Put on your imagination caps one more time as you close your eyes again. While you're at it, take another couple of deep breaths. In through the nose. And out through the mouth. And again, just relax into the moment. In through the nose. And out through the mouth. Okay, now this time, think of a memory that makes you feel grateful and connected to God in that moment. It might take you a few seconds to find one. If you can't, just listen so you can try this on your own later. Sometimes when someone asks me to think of something, my mind immediately goes blank and I can't remember my own name. I get it. But try to find that memory right now if you can. Feel great. You feel grateful and connected to God in that moment. Now once you have it, go back and relive that moment for 10 seconds. But before you do, let me just give you my example. Years ago, someone used words intended to break my spirit. Successfully. For a few days. What they said made me feel like my only option was to walk away from leading worship in order to find another calling. I was doubting everything that I believed God had called me to. And a few days later, Carrying all of that weight, I was leading worship in this very room, right here in this, in this very space, and it was electric with God's presence. Everyone felt it. It was one of the holiest moments this room has ever collectively experienced. And in those moments, I felt the approval of God as he began to restore my broken heart. So I'll give you 10 seconds right now. You relive your memory just like I did. Give it as much detail as you can. Okay, with your eyes still closed, stay connected to that memory and think about what it felt like in your body. For me in that moment, it, it felt like a wave of warmth washed over my body. So what did it feel like for you? And then one last thing. What do you think God might have been wanting to impress on you by that memory? For me, it was approval and security. Now, as you open your eyes once again, I want you to name that memory. Just like we labeled the first picture before, earlier in the message, name this one. Naming it will give it a place in your memory that will make it easier to recall next time. Mine is named Wave of Worship. Don't be discouraged if this was challenging for you. Or if you don't have this kind of memory with God yet. Now you know your starting point. You have the capacity for great growth. God will lead you if you ask him. If you had a negative uh, or neutral before picture with God, you might never have had one of these experiences. And just changing the way you understand how God looks at you will open your heart and mind to new memories. For you, your first step might be to replace your old before picture with a new after picture. One based on the truth of scripture. Ideally, you want to come up with a list of about 10 grateful memories. Each memory needs two characteristics. You need to be aware of the sensations in your body as you relive it. And you need to feel some kind of connection to God in the memory. These two things will keep your right brain engaged. Otherwise, it will shift to left brain gratitude, which is just words. In fact, no words are necessary. You want it to be completely right-brained, relational connection, images, actual memories, body integration, and then use the list to spend five minutes of non-verbal gratitude every day, just reliving the memories non-verbally. You might have to cycle through three or four to get to five minutes. That's why having 10 will help. When we practice right brain gratitude with God, our brain remembers our connection with God. The connections between synapses strengthen and grow, making it easier over time to find our way back to Him. Right brain gratitude is the first step to building our joy capacity because it helps us experience a more consistent connection or attachment with God, which is what changes us. And It's the relationship that will increase your joy. Joy levels are regulated indirectly through our relationships. Increasing joy increases our relational skills. More joy equals more relational energy, which overflows into our other horizontal relationships, which brings us to joy in community. Whether you like it or not, God has placed you in community. He has given you your people. At the very least, you have home people, you have church people, and you have work people, or some variation of that. God has placed you in those communities, whatever they are, to be a joy giver. God wants to use your joy to teach people to help them experience his joy. Like, like love, joy is one of the fruit of the Spirit that we must give away. Joy is relational, and that means it must be enjoyed in relationship. So here's what, here's what I'd like you to do this week. I want you to, to do a joy audit. Pay attention to your face, your own face, when you see someone. When your spouse walks in the door at the end of the day, how does your face greet them? How does your face greet your kids? When you run run into someone that you know at Costco, how does your face greet them? In, In the line at McDonald's or Starbucks, how does your face greet the person helping you? Even here in church, what does your face communicate to others? Are you a joy giver? And then, as a receiver of joy try to connect what you see on someone else's face to how it makes you feel. Can you feel the difference between a flat hello and a joyful hello? Just pay attention. If you want more people in your life who are happy to see you so your joy tank stays full, you have to be the kind of person other people are happy to see. And almost universally, people are happy to see people who are happy to see them. Train your face. We all need to be little aviaries for other people. And then take your gratitude practice with God to the streets. If joy is the gateway to spiritual formation, gratitude is the on-ramp. So, become the kind of person who expresses gratitude toward others. Use your outside voice, use your body language. Let your eyes smile as you express gratitude. You might be the one person that God uses to right brain someone else into alignment with the character of Christ. And you'll be doing the same in your own life in the process. Joy is the first nutrient in good soil. It opens the gateway to your spiritual formation and the other person's. It is a gift that keeps on giving. Joy begets joy. Now for those of you who use the YouVersion Bible app, you can uh, study this a little further on your own. If you use their search uh, feature to find Dayspring Fellowship, you can select us as your home church. Uh, from there, uh, we've, uh, we've put up a suggested reading plan. We've started doing this for every teaching series. And because we're all growing in community, I'd encourage you to give it a shot. Let's pray. Father, we invite you to align how we believe that you see us with what your, what your word has to say. Align how you see us, how we understand that, to Scripture. May we walk securely in our relationship with you knowing that you are happy to be with us. And then, Father, may we become joy givers as well. May we be aware of how our body language, how our faces in particular, impact our own character formation and other peoples. Use our joy to invite people into Jesus. We pray in his precious name, amen. Thank you for joining us today let me encourage you to download the discussion guide by selecting Watch from the top menu of our website. Working through those questions, alone or with others, will help the truth of God's Word find its place in your life. Please reach out if you have any questions or want help on your spiritual journey. My email address is on the screen, or you can call the church during the week. This ministry is made possible because of people like you, people who believe in what God is doing through Dayspring. Your financial generosity is evidence of God's work in your life. If you're just checking us out today, please know that we don't expect you to give anything to support Dayspring. That is the responsibility of our Dayspringers. Just enjoy the rest of your day. If you'd like to start giving, we have three easy ways for you to get us your gift. Please see the online giving section of our website or text GIVE to the number on your screen or mail a check to us at the address you'll find on our website. And before I sign off, thank you for liking and sharing and following Dayspring on whatever platform you are on. Thank you for rating us where that is appropriate. I am so encouraged when you share something that has impacted you through this service with someone else. Until we meet again, may you experience great joy in the presence of Jesus.